This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, and a very, very warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you so much for making time on this Erev Shabbos to come and join us and spend a bit of time learning a bit of Torah, exploring a few interesting issues, maybe having some insight that you can share with your family at the Shabbos table on this Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Vayikra, the beginning of the third book of the Torah, the book that deals with so many, many holy things about Korbanus and about the work of the Kainim in the, in the base in the base of Mikdash. A beautiful, beautiful time to get scintillated, to get attracted, to get really into our 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 learning. And really I appreciate that everyone has taken the the, the time to, to spend us. It's only one week before Pesach, before the Chag of Pesach, as we prepare, we're starting to clean our houses and we're starting to really, really the pressure is starting to build a little bit. And there's so much to do and so much to get done and the shopping and the cleaning and the preparing and the, and the, the cooking. All that has to, has to happen. Let's start with a nice little, beautiful, sweet, sweet story. We know that, uh, 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 this week we read about the, the korbanas and we read about the mincha, the korban mincha, which was a flower offering, various types of flower offerings. And uh, there was one part of the mincha that the Kayin had to take his three fingers and take a little bit of flour, and that was put on, on the Mizbeach. And, and that was called the Kamitza. That's called the little squeezing of the flour that goes on the Mizbeach. Story goes that it was once a, a, a young Bentaira uh, uh, from a very, very uh, uh, family of, of Kayanim, very well, very well uh, established, uh, a lineologically family of, of Kainim who were B'nai Torah and Baruch Shem. He was there to meet his Mishudeches, his, the, the woman of his, of his choice. And because this Bacha was one of the students of the great Goyen Rabmeya Simcha HaKoyen from Duvinsk, who's known by his amazing Sefer on the Rambam, the Or, the Or Samech. So he invited his Rebbe to be the Masonic Kedushin at, at, at the Chuppah. Rabbi Simcha quite joyfully accepted the, 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 the honor of, of, uh, marrying them. And after they organized the actual, the Chuppah and the Kedushin, so as was the custom, he spoke and said a few words and he gave a bracha to the, the young Kainim gave him some warm brachas, and amongst everything else, he said to him, Yeratzen, may it be the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that in this chasen should be fulfilled the pasuk, the kamatza kain mimena, and the kain will take the kamitza, this little bit of flour from, from, from it. And everyone who was there was a little bit amazed, they couldn't quite hop, they couldn't quite understand what the great gun was, was hinting to in these, in these words. And obviously everyone tried to, try to give their own explanation and try to use their own logic to understand it. But none, no one really understood what he said. No one sort of plumbed the depth of, of his words until finally they were, uh, uh, 
forced to actually go to Rav Meir Simcha himself and he should explain to him of what, what he had actually said. So Rav Meir Simcha smiled and he said as follows, we know that in the Gemara Brochus, Davches, the Gemara tells us that in Eretz Yisrael, that there was a custom that after a, a young couple got married, so they would ask him, kind of riddle, Matzah or Matzah? What does that mean? So the Gemara says, that the, the, the intention of the question was, they had two psukim. And which one of them had been true about this young couple? Because there's one pasuk in Mishlei, chapter 18, which says, Matzah Isha Matzah Taiv. If you find a, a woman, you found all the good that a person could possibly need. Or, God forbid, did he fulfill the pasuk as a pasuk in Kohelis, uh, uh, chapter 7, which says, I found a woman to be more bitter than, than death. She says, look, have a look. What's actually the difference between the word matzah, being fortunate to have found a beautiful wife, and matzah, a terrible thing, is the way the mem is 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 as pronounced the the the, the kudas on the letter mem. In the word matzah, the mem has a komatz, and in the other pasuk, it's a chaylam. So therefore, I gave this chasen, who happens to be a a kayin, and I said to him that it should fulfill the pasuk in this week's parsha. Where it says the komatz hakayimimena that this kayin's relationship with his wife should always be one with the komatz, where the word is matza, and not chasasham, the word matza, and that should be zeche to build a beautiful, beautiful home where every moment he'll radiate the goodness and the beauty of what he's found in his wife. We'll be back in a moment. One one point nine high FM, soul to soul. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio on Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Pashas, Va'yikra, only one week away from Chag HaPesach. In fact, uh, 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 not officially, this week is actually, although it's not really Shabbos HaGadol, but the special drosha, the special shir that the Rabbanim are going to give which is usually given on the Shabbos before uh, Pesach, but which, of course, deals with the laws and the halachas of Pesach, will take place this week. So it's kind of the de facto, perhaps, Shabbos HaGadol, although the official Shabbos HaGadol will, of course, be next week on Erev Pesach. Let's share an idea from this week's Pasha that hopefully will give us a little bit of, of inspiration. The Pesach says, Asher Nasi Yecheta. says, when a ruler... Uh, uh, does an aver when he, when he sins, and and Rashi explains the word asher as related to the words ashrei, fortunate, praised or fortunate, is the generation whose leader is perhaps bold or or courageous enough to 
offer a carbon, to offer an offering, to ask for some penitence for his shkaga, for his inadvertent averus and kavachaymer, all the more so if he's prepared <coughs> to show regret and remorse over a sin he did on on purpose. It's a it's a very rare leader who doesn't conceal whose error, who doesn't hide behind his exalted office, often denying that he committed an error in judgment or had a lapse in his uh, perhaps uh, spiritual relationship with 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 Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Right? Uh, you know, we've seen. Uh, so often in, 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 in the political scenario, in the, in the higher officials, people who do things that are truly reprehensible, but are not prepared to admit they did something wrong. It's always someone else's fault. It's always other people who caused it. It was not him. He's above reproof. He's absolutely perfect. Someone who's able to say, Chotasi, I have sinned. That is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous thing. And that's unfortunately a very rare Phenomenal. But this alone is a reason to perhaps underscore the good fortune of, of a daughter of a generation which has such a, a, a leader. And that leader is, is, is so down to earth. He's so lacking in, in arrogance. He's not, he's not pompous and he doesn't blame his mistakes on everyone else. But Himself, he's prepared to actually stand up and, and face the music. He is, that he is the perpetrator of, of whatever Averis he may have, he may have done. And, you know, it's, it's nothing so terrible. You know, we're all human beings and the very, very nature of human beings is that we do occasionally make mistakes. I mean, there are some perfect people out there, of course, but, uh, the rest of us generally make, make mistakes. Now, Rav Chanach Leibowitz, the, the Rosh Yeshiva, of, 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 Yeshiva's Chavetz Chaim, he made the observation that one would expect that such a recognition, such a, a, a laudatory, a, a, a situation in a, in a, in a corrupt sort of generation whose leadership is, is selected, let, let's be honest, not on the basis of perhaps their, their, their Torah knowledge, right? Or, uh, or anything of that sort. Or, or because they're Yurei Shemayim. But, uh, you know, it, everything today, it's, it's not what, how you say, what you know, it's who you know, the connections you have, the party system that you're part of. And, uh, it's the protectia, the pull that a person, that a person might, uh, might, might have. And, uh, you might even suspect that a leader whose Torah and Yerushimayim is, is at least, uh, uh, you know, kind of elementary and, and for the most part perhaps, uh, uh, uh lacking is, is the one who would you know, really want to, to want to sort of hide and, and camouflage his, his mistakes. And that's unfortunately not unexpected when one's character is far from praiseworthy. Thus, one who actually breaks from the pack 
and he actually acts remorseful and seeks forgiveness for the thing he's done, done, done wrong, should be commended. In fact, the Shiva points out, however, that what Rashi is, is implying here that a person who, who's an arrogant person and a person who tries to cover up. So that's not unknown in a generation where the rank and file, where the congregants are themselves kind of impeccable in their own Yerushimayim and, and whose leadership are the products of, you know, not just political correctness, but the leaders are people who have, there's been an exhaustive kind of search for one whose Torah knowledge and, 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 and Torah expertise matches his incredible Midas and incredible Yerush, Yerushimai. We're not talking about politics, we're talking about Nasi. We're talking about someone who was chosen because he is the God Hadar, because he is someone that is worthy to look up to and, and, and to respect and to adulate as a true example of what of what a Torah leader should be, right? would such a person be the victim of arrogance? Right? Could he fall prey to concealing his spiritual deficiencies? Apparently, even the best of the best are still human beings. And as such, we all fear being humiliated. Thus, a generation whose leadership declares that when they do something wrong, they're prepared to stand up and own it, is in fact a truly fortunate generation. The Rabbani Shalom selected Shola Melech to be our nation's first king. This, of course, appointment indicated of Shaul's great, great spiritual excellence. Yet, his extraordinary humility was unfortunate, insufficient to protect him from his own human nature, which didn't allow him to confess to his own shortcomings. Right, of Leibowitz brings the, an Eliyahu Rabbah which refers to show as being guilty of gasus ruach, literally thickness of spirit or, or arrogance, a deep, deep desire to be someone of significance. On the other hand, we find the Navi, right? Uh, 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 you know, kind of yelling and, and, and criticizing show for his misplaced humility, referring to him as, right, hiding behind the, 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 the vessels, as it says. Now, clearly, Shaul was righteous and very, very humble. But this uh, 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 explains the, the, uh, the uh, what, what, what Abli was to say. The fact that he's uh, righteous and humble doesn't necessarily kind of obviate him from declaring that Shammai, listen, Ashamati b'kol Hashem. He says to Shaul, to Shmuel, says, I killed 
I killed all the Amalekis like you told me to. When in fact, he hadn't done it. Clearly, on, on Shoal's incredible spiritual level, the slight tinge of, of impropriety was viewed as an Avera. And thus we see that the reference to him being guilty of arrogance, even though the last thing we would have accused Shoal of being was, was, was arrogant. This shows us that regardless of a person's stature, a person who's prepared to swallow the bullet and, and confess to something wrong that he's done, no matter how small it might be, takes incredible amounts of spiritual and emotional character. Perhaps we might be able to explain Shaul's actions by distinguishing between gaiva, which is haughtiness, and what the, what the, what the majors called gasasaruach, thickness of spirit. You know, it's someone who's plagued by gasasaruach. He wants to be significant, right? He wants to be relevant. He wants to be independent of Hashem. Arrogance, on the other hand, is the feeling that one has actually made it. He's achieved significance. So the one who is plagued with gases, the wannabe, right, passions for what he has uh, convinced himself he needs to have. While the Balgaiva has what he thinks is important. He thrives on being relevant and being the object on, on, of, of public, public admiration and adulation, regardless of whether it's all external. He's convinced that he is special and that really is all, is all that counts. Let's, let's make sure that we stay far away from any of those things and Taka strive for real humility, right? And, 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 uh, and, uh, you know, Shalom Melech's humility was, was contrived. He was, whatever, he was despaired from the fact that he was going to lose everything, all that, that, uh, that, that he wanted. Let's, let's us try to be the kind of people who are honest enough with ourselves that we're prepared to stand up and, and, uh, and, uh, take responsibility for the things that we do wrong. 101.9 Chai FM Soul for Soul. We'll be back in a moment with much, much more beautiful Torah. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio on Erev Shabbos, Kedish Pashas Vayikra, one week away from Pesach. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you on board and to share some insights, some words of Torah, some words of growth, some words of inspiration with with all of you. And I really thank you for, for joining me. So let's turn to this week's Pasha. We don't have to go very far to where we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the very first word of this week's Pasha. Where in this week's Pasha, Pasha is Vayikra, we know we begin reading this Torah portion, which is actually the third book of the Torah. And the very, very first word, we find something quite fascinating. And that is that the the word, the letter Aleph of the very first word Vayikra 
is written with a small aleph. And perhaps we should introduce the words of the of the Sifse Koyin, Koyin of Tzfas, who was the Talmud of the Arizal, who says that the small aleph of Vayikra alludes to the practice of starting to teach young children. When young children first begin to start learning Torah, first thing we teach is Sefer Vayikra, which is the Sefer of the Karbonus, of the, of the sacrifices. Once the world existed only in the merit of the Karbonus, now, however, that unfortunately there's no Besamekdash, no temple, and no Karbonus, no sacrifices, it exists on the counts of the utterances of this, of the learning Torah, of small children learning with their teachers. Those beautiful, pure little voices learning Torah are considered like the offering of, of the Karbonus. As it says in the Midrash, Yavai Torah, let pure ones come, and let them occupy with themselves with things that are totally pure. So, it's obvious that he's, he's referring to the, the Gemara in Shabbat Staff Kufyutes, where the Gemara says that Reshlokish said in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Messiah, the world continues to exist only in the merit of the breath of, of school children. And Rapapa said to Abaya concerning this, what, my breath and your breath, what, what of them? In other words, don't they count for anything? So Abaya said to him, breath that contains even the taint of an Aveda of sin, cannot be compared to the breath that does not contain any, even the tainting of an Aveira. So, notwithstanding, the, the, the subject deserves a little bit of further uh, exploration. If we accept that the continued existence of the whole world depends upon the Torah of young school children, so, but why do we start teaching them Specifically, the book of Vayikra, the book of the, the Karbonus. These are the most complicated and intricate laws you could possibly imagine. And even if you want to fulfill this, this concept of let pure ones come and deal with things that are pure, the reality is <laughs> the entire Torah is completely pure. In fact, David Melech List this as one of the very, very attributes of, of the Torah. As it says in Tilim Yotes, Yiras Hashem Tahira. the fear of Hashem is pure and, and endures for, for forever. So in fact, the, the, the source for this concept is found in the, in the, uh, in the Medrash. And, and that's why we actually, that's the source for teaching children the book of, of, uh, of Ayikra. Not only does the world exist 
in the merit of their Torah, but without them, the world would completely cease to exist. Let's quote the, the Medrash as follows. Rabbi Akiva said, why do the young school children studying with their teachers begin by studying the Sefer of Ayikra, the laws of the of Karbonus? Rather, it's because all of the Karbonus are written in it. And because they are pure until now and are not even familiar with the, with the taste of sin, so therefore, Kaddish Baruch Hu said, let them begin first with the order of the Karbanas, so that pure ones will come and occupy themselves with acts of purity. Therefore, I'll then, says Kaddish Baruch Hu, I'll view them as if they were standing and offering Karbanas before me. Right? And Hashem is letting us know that even though the Beisam Mikdash is destroyed and Karbanas are not being practiced, were it not for the young children reading the, 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 the order of the Karbanas, the world would not remain in, in, in existence. And the Medrash goes on to say that although the world continues to exist primarily because of the school children studying with their teachers, the reality is the study of every single Jew is significant and incredibly beneficial. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Yisrael, my children, even though the Beis is destroyed and the Karbanas have been abolished and the carbon oiler, the totally burnt sacrifice is not practiced. If you occupy yourselves and read the laws of the Eulah, and study the laws of the Karbanas, I will consider it as if you are offering a Karban Eulah before me. As it says, Zeis Torah This is the Torah of the Eulah. In other words, one who occupies himself with the Torah of the Eulah, so then merits life in 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 Eulam, in Eulam Habba. So, we need to clarify this a little, a little more. Since the Medrash says that every single Jew can offer Kabbanas by learning and studying all the, the Pashas of the Kabbanas, so then why is it necessary to teach the children who are just starting their study of Torah, Sefer Vayikra? Why is it essential that that be considered as if they actually brought a carbon? Even much more difficult is the fact that young children studying with their teachers and Rabbanim are pure and without sin. So therefore, they don't require. They don't need carbonus. They don't need the atonement, right? That is afforded by, by, by carbonus. So why is it necessary? For them to study the the the, the Torah of the Kabbanis so much right, that that so to speak the the world only exists because of them of them doing it. So perhaps we can say 
Chazal tell us that at the moment of Matan Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu demanded from Jewish nation, the Jewish nation that they would set aside a group that was going to be held responsible for upholding all the, the, the mitzvahs of the Torah. They offer him the young children studying with their teachers. And if Chas V'Shalom Yisrael fails to uphold all the mitzvahs of the Torah, the children will be punished in their place. Right? So, this is, this is in fact what the, what the Medrash, what the Medrash says. It says, uh, 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 it says, uh, uh, draw me near. We will run after you. So Rav Meir said, when Christ lost them before HaKadosh Baruch to receive the Torah, Hashem said to them, what? Am I supposed to give you the Torah without any security? Bring me some good, reliable guarantors that you'll observe what the Torah says, and then I'll give it to you. They said, our others are our guarantors. Shem said to them, I have issues with your others. I can find fault with Avram for asking, I know we're going to, we're going to inherit it. With Yitzchak, I can find fault because he loved Esau and I hated Esau. And even with Yaakov, right? I, I, I mistrusted him because he says, right? My, 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 Nisra Darki Me Hashem. There was one point where I thought I was, he was hidden from Akadosh Baruch Rather, bring me reliable guarantors and I'll give you the Torah. They said, but our children will be the guarantors. Hashem said, they are certainly good guarantors. On their account, I will give the Torah to you. And that's the meaning of that which is written in Perches of Tehillim, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, you have established strength. There's no strength other than then, then, then Torah. Right? So when, that, that was the, that, 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 that is the, the guarantee. That is the implication. Right? Of that which is, which is, uh, which is stated. And that, on that basis, HaKadosh Baruch was prepared to give us, to give us the Torah. So now we can begin to appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tremendous mercy and kindness. He provided, they say, the, the, the refuel before the makkah, the remedy, ahead of the even of the sickness. And that is to spare the young school children of Israel so that they would not have to be victims, right, as, as the guarantors for their, for their parents' sins. So, and that is accompanies. How do we, how do we manage to save the, the children, that they shouldn't chas v'shalom, uh, uh, be destroyed because of our, Averis, because of our lack of keeping the, 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 the Torah. That's accomplished by initiating them into, into Torah study, into Limit Torah with Sefer by Yikra, the book of the Kabbanas. You know, it's just, just kind of get this sharp, 
So let's let's refer to the to the words of the, of the Ramban on on this week's parsha, and he explains how a carbon atones for a person who did not bear. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar and the Rikanti and most of the Rishonim actually agree with with the Ramban. And just to 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 uh, conceptualize what he actually says. Says basically, a, a person's actions result from a combination of thought, speech, and deed. Machshava, Dibur, and Maisa. So therefore, when a person, commits an act on Avera, Kodesh Baruch Hu commands him to follow a certain protocol accounting for each of these components bringing the carbon and leaning on it with his hands corresponds to the deed. Verbally confessing corresponds to the speech and burning the various organs on the fire corresponds to the thought. The the blood is then sprinkled on the Mizbeach, representing his very life force. By following this procedure, a person should have in mind that he sinned against HaKadosh Baruch with his body and soul. Therefore, it's only fitting that his blood should be spilt and his physical body should be uh, incinerated. It's only by the great chesed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we can provide a substitute. And Hashem accepts that in his place. Right? Which is atoned for the acts of our various that we, that we, that we have, that we have done. So when young children are learning with their Rabbonim and they begin learning these protocols of the Korbanis, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees it as if they offered themselves to him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu in his infinite mercy accepts the Korban Instead of them, and as uh, as, as uh, we know that anyone who studies the Torah of the Chattas, so it's as if he offered a Chattas. So in this manner, they are, so to speak, released from their obligation as guarantors, and, and, and are able to live long lives. Otherwise, they would never be able to live because of all the averus that we that we do. This explains the end of that of the Medrash. If not for the young children reading the order of the Korbanas, the world would not exist. Because otherwise, they would be the sacrifices. That's for Shalom. Right? Paying with their very lives as their parents' guarantors. Then, the world couldn't continue to exist. As we saw from Abuhudanasiya, uh, uh, the world only continues to exist in the merit of the Hevel of Tamilich of, of the of the Yiladim, of the children. However, by studying all these different Karbanas and then having it considered by Akadish Baruch Hu as if they themselves were sacrificed Karbanas, they're released from their obligation as, as guarantors. And therefore, they're able to live and study Torah with breath that is uncontaminated by, by sin and which 
not only sustains them, but continues to sustain the whole world. So now we can appreciate why the Medrash adds afterwards that every single Jew must study the laws of the Karbanas and the Torah so that it's considered as if they actually offer the carbon, because the utterances of the children right, related to the Karbanas so that frees them from their obligation but that means that then the parents themselves still need Kapara, still need atonement for their sins that the kids are out of the picture now Therefore, the Midrash concludes by saying that the parents and adults must also study the Karbanas so that they will be able to afford atonement for, for themselves. So now, we can perhaps uh, 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 present the, the, the explanation from Rav Aronabel's which explains then the connection between the small Aleph, the Vayikra, and the continuation of the Pasuk. Vayikra el Moshe vayidaber Hashem elav mo'olemar. Calls to Moshe, and he spoke to him from the oil mind. And he refers to an explanation from his father, the, 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 the Ravi Sachedoiv of, uh, of Bells, which is related to the Pasuk in Pasha's Truma, concerning the Kruvim, we know there were these two kruvim, these two kruvim of gold. And the kruvim shall have wings spread, spread upward and you place them on the top of the, of, of the urn. And Chazal tell us that kruvim, what, what, what do the kruvim look like? It says they all have the image of a child's face. Right? In fact, the Gemara says, the Gemara in Sukkah says, my kruv, kruv is that in Babel, they call a child Ravia. Right? So, so then, Kiravia is like, like a child. So he says that this design teaches us an incredible lesson concerning the education of our children. That's the vital foundation of the internal survival of the entire Jewish nation. The Oran itself housed the two Luchais. Right? The source of the entire Torah. However, the Torah only endures when the two Kruvim, which resemble the two children, right? Under the, the, the tutelage of their, of their Abanim are attached to the Oran of Bris. They must be trained to engage in Torah study. For this reason, Akash who chose to communicate to Moshe all of the commands that had been given to Klaisel with a voice that came from between the two Kruvim. That, that symbolizes that the dwelling of the Shekhinah depends on the Torah study of the children. So that's then, that's what it means by Yikra El Moshe. Right? The miniature Aleph alludes to the Torah study of the young children under the direction of their Abayim. Right? The pure Torah untainted by any sin. To emphasize the importance of their Torah study to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So there the Apostle says, Hashem spoke to Moshe from the Almighty. 
So Ra'an Rashi comments, one might think that the voice came from the entire Mishkan. No. And the Torah specifies from above the Kapiris, above the lid of the Oran. One might think that the voice came from the entire lid. No. Specifically between the, the two, the two, the two Kruvim. And, and, and therefore, the, 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 the that, that's the point out. See, that Kodesh chose to rest the Shechina between the two Kruvim in the merit of the Torah study of the young children under the direction of the Rabbanim. And that's, and that really is, is, is what, what the Belgian Rebbe says. That's the Aleph. These are the important things in, in, in the world. We'll be back in a moment. This is 11.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio, on Erev Shabbos Kedish, Parshas Vayikra, just one week until Chaga Pesach, and that's what we're going to be discussing in a little bit of a moment, how we're going to handle this interesting situation of Erev Pesach being next Shabbos. But before we do that, as we always do at this point, on the show to give you the important details you need for this Shabbos. This Shabbos, of course, is Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Vayikra. So the beginning of the third book of the, of the Torah. So, uh, Shabbos Kodesh, the earliest time for lighting, uh, uh, Shabbos Licht is about five minutes past five. Five past five, you can already light the Shabbos candles. And get the Shabbos started. Ooh, after this week, it's been such a stressful, busy week. We'd love to get into Shabbos as early as we possibly can. So let's give it, give it a push and put away everything else. We'll worry about kashering and changing the kitchen and everything that needs to be done. We'll worry about it after Shabbos. We're going to go into the Kedusha and the covered of Shabbos as, as, as if nothing else was going on at, at, at the time. The latest time for Lich Benching this week is at 6. Oh, six to one, one minute past six. That's the absolute latest time for getting your candles, your candles up. And that's when Shabbos Kodesh actually, uh, uh, begins, right? As far as we're concerned, we really don't do Mulacha after, after that, after that time. Shkia, which is really your, the end of your absolute injury time. If you're really, really stuck and you need to something, the absolute latest is before. Before Shkir, Shkir, of course, being 619, we must stop. Oh, a good few minutes before that. But of course, 601 needs in our minds. That needs to be the, the deadline. So therefore, Shkir 609, if you want to have Myrav in the right time and not have to repeat Shimon essay, so we'll go 18 minutes past that, and that is 637. You can already... David Meirev and say Krishna and fulfill the mitzvah, the rice of the Torah obligation of saying Krishna at, at, uh, at night. Tomorrow, Bezus Hashem is Shabbos Kurdish Pashas Va'yikra. There's no special laning, uh, uh, for Maftir. Although practically, yes, this really is sort of, uh, uh, in, in a practical terms, the Shabbos before Pesach, it actually isn't. In terms of the calendar, Shabbos Hagodol will be next Shabbos, and therefore this is a Havsoka. This is a a one of the breaks between the special lanings and Avtaris during Chodesh Iyar and during sorry during Chodesh Adar and Nisan, and therefore the the Avtaris for 
Parshas Vayikra is the regular Haftarah for Parshas Vayikra, Amzuya Tzarta Li. And, uh, davening is, is, is the normal davening. Obviously, we're not saying Tachlan, so there's no Avrachman, there's no Tzikascha or, or Askaras, as is normal during, during Chodesh, during Chodesh Nisan. The addition to the Shabbos is that although usually the special drosha where we go through the laws of Pesach and learn maybe a few insights, both in terms of the halacha and maybe some of the, of the hashkafa, some of the, some of the philosophy behind the yontif, although that usually takes place on the Shabbos, which is called Shabbos Hagodol. However, in this situation, because we are discussing the laws of Pesach, and in many areas it might be a little bit too late to start discussing the laws of Pesach next Shabbos. So the Shabbos HaGadol Joshua in most venues will take place actually this coming Shabbos, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, for Mincha, between Mincha and Mar, depending what your, what your setup is, get to Shul and allow your Rav to, to in, inspire, inspire you. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 6.50. 10 to 7, and of course many people would really prefer that Shabbos not be over because once Shabbos is over, it's back into the really, really hustle bustle of the week before, before Pesach, which is so exciting and, 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 and so invigorating. And we're working up towards this amazing, amazing time of, of Chagah Pesach, but it does have its challenges, it does have its difficulties. So Bez Hashem, we need lots of Siyat to the Shemaya for, for the week, for the week, uh, uh, ahead. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the the way it's going to work this year. It's slightly different than than normally era Pesach, and of course it's been quite a long time. It's been thirteen years since it happened last. So many of us may not remember what to do and how to do it, and therefore let's just talk a little bit about the the the, the schedule. So although normally the fast of the firstborn takes place on Erev Pesach. Obviously, Erev Pesach Shabbos, we never fast uh, in a normal situation on on Shabbos. And therefore, we're going to push the fast of the firstborn forward to Thursday. Now, you can't fast on, on, on Shabbos, and we don't like to fast on Friday if we don't need to. And therefore, uh, we make it Thursday. And therefore, all firstborn Males, or if they're under bar mitzvah, then the fathers should do it, must either fast, and fast means although if you're going to fast, it means a full day fast until, until night, until 18 minutes after, after sunset, till about 27 on Thursday night, or attend some kind of a Sudas mitzvah, either a siyam, or if there's something else going on, a bris or a pitinaben, you could participate in, in that, and once you participate in that, you uh, do not have to fast. However, uh, until the time of the siyum, then one needs to be, one needs to be a, 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 a fasting. So that's Thursday morning. Now, B'dikas Chometz is usually done the night of Erev Pesach. Well, again, Friday, doing a B'dikas Chometz on Friday night is going to be rather complicated and rather in, impossible. And therefore, we're going to do it on Thursday night, exactly as we would do it uh, normally. We say the bracha al biur chametz before we start, and we say the kol chamira afterwards, because the kol chamira after b'dikas chametz is, is talking about chametz that we don't 
know uh, 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 about it. And, and that's fine. Now we still want to nullify. We're still going to keep plenty of chametz, but, uh, we're getting rid of the chametz we don't know about. Right? Once the time for Badika's chametz comes, one's not allowed to, uh, sit down to have, to have supper before you do the, the, the search. Right? Just get on with it and, and do the, do the, uh, do, do, do the job. Uh, if you did not participate in a siyum and you're actually fasting, uh, that day, then we will allow you to break your fast and have a light snack before you, before you do the, uh, the, the, the vadika. Right? Um, all chametz that you still want to keep, which means any chametz you want for Thursday night supper or all day Friday, or of course the meals on Shabbos, which we'll discuss in a, in a middle, in a, in a, in a minute, they all should be put in one place, probably in the place where the chametz is going to be eaten and maybe well wrapped up in one little corner of a freezer. We don't want this chametz to get spread around the house by any animals or whatever that, that, or children that could, that could uh, create a situation. Now, Friday is Arab Shabbos, but it really is. The truth is, in some ways, it's very similar to Ere Pesach, some ways it's not. For instance, we are going to burn chametz on Friday morning. Even though we're not finished with chametz, we're still going to very, very much want chametz for the next 24 hours until Shabbos morning. But nevertheless, in order that we should next year, where we're going back to a normal Ere Pesach, forget about the concept of burning chametz. We're going to burn chametz as usual, in other words, you must do it by uh, 11.02 a.m. And if for whatever reason you can't do it by then, you can do it any time on Friday. But let's go for the gold. Let's do it in, in the in the in the correct in the correct time, right? Uh, any chametz that you're going to be selling must also be stored away by 11.02. Right? And your, your forms, as you would in a normal year, your common selling forms must be in by nine o'clock in the morning on, on, uh, on, on Friday. Cause that's when the sale is going to be done. It may not take effect until Shabbos morning, but it's going to be done on, on Friday. Get everything ready for the Seder that you can. If you could, if you, if you're going to be eating, let's say outside in a different room, even set the Seder table. On, uh, on, uh, on, on Friday. Right? Um, however, we're not going to, after we burn the chametz, we're not going to say the second kol that we usually say afterwards, because that allow that says that all chametz we even have should be like dust of the earth, and we still intend to be eating chametz. We don't want to eat dust of the earth, and therefore we're not going to do that on, on, uh, on, on, on Friday. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul. We're back on your radio with our last little segment for today's show, Erev Shabbos, Kedish Pashas Vayikra. So we're talking about the process for Erev Pesach, which is going to be Shabbos this year. So we're saying that Erev Shabbos, Friday, next Friday, so of course is in some way like Erev Shabbos, it's also like Erev Pesach, we spoke about 
burning burning the the chametz, and uh, obviously we're going to be able to eat chametz until all day. We're not going. Chametz is not going to become forbidden on on until Shabbos morning, which is actually erev erev Pesach. So theoretically, if you have the custom to eat matzah until erev Pesach, you can eat matzah on uh, on Friday, but not on Shabbos. If you still need to do some kashering, you can do last minute kashering on on uh, on Friday. You can have a shave, a haircut all day on Friday on a Shabbos and Yantif because it's not actually Erev Erev Yantif. Get everything ready for the Seder. Open your boxes, get your get your your open your bottles, get everything ready for the for the for the Seder. Now on Shabbos Hagodah, we have to eat challah. We have to have meals with bread, right? It's covered Shabbos. We have to eat mekidish, eat bread. But of course, we, our whole house is Pesachnik. So there are really two options of how to do it, just basically. Either you'll have two places set up. One, let's say, outside or in a room where, where far away from all your Pesachnings, where you'll make kiddish and you'll have your chametz. And we recommend using a, a pita rather than bread. Pita is less crummy, creates less of a of a uh, of a of a mess. And uh, you'll then you'll then uh, uh, make kiddush, have your hamaytzi, and then you'll move into your normal dining room, which is all pesach thick. Eat on pesach uh, dishes, normal meal. Obviously, you'll brush yourself off before you go inside. Make sure you know, that there's no comments left on your on your body. Go inside, have your Pesach meal. Ideally, even go back to the other room at the end, have a little bit more bread, and then bench in the room where you made Kiddush and, and, uh, and, and Hamaitzi. The other option is completely not to eat in your Pesach kitchen. Eat the whole meal somewhere else where you can have bread, then the whole meal, and maybe just use only disposable dishes. Obviously, you'll have your food cooked in your Pesach uh, uh, kalim, and, and you'll transfer it onto disposable things and serve it the whole meal in a, in a chametz environment, not obviously in your, in your dining room, which is set up for the Seder, but in a chametz environment, and you can eat that way. Shabbos morning, we're gonna get very early because we have to finish eating chametz early, and, and therefore we'll, we'll probably dive in most schools about six o'clock in the morning, so that there's time to eat at least one bread meal before 10 minutes to 10. Some will even try to eat two bread meals so that they can have three meals of bread on, on Shabbos. By, uh, at, by, by 10 to 10, 10 o'clock you have to finish eating, and by 11 o'clock it's gotta be all flushed down the, the toilet. Well, please God, I have time next week to speak a little bit more about some of the details. I'm sure other presenters are doing it also, but just leave me a few seconds to wish you all a beautiful Shabbat Shalom, a beautiful, warm, relaxed Shabbos. Forget everything else that needs to be done and just sit down and enjoy Shabbos. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our radio family. I really, I, I appreciate all of you for taking the time and I just wish all of our family a beautiful and warm good Shabbos.